Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Jesus, Jesus, sweetest name I know, keeps me singing as I go. Uh, we're going to be back in John chapter 6 today, hopefully finish that up, and uh, we're going to see some people who uh, no longer is Jesus, 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 the sweetest name they know. They're going to walk off from Jesus to never come back, and um, they're fed up with Jesus, they could take his person. They could take his works, but they couldn't tolerate his words. We'll finish this up hopefully today. You remember we've been talking about this bread of life discourse in chapter 6, and Jesus feeds the 5,000, and of course they uh, follow him later on and cross the sea, and they come and find him and basically talks to him and says, the only reason you're looking for me is because you want more food. As we get through this section of Scripture, he begins to tell them he's the bread of life and that Moses fed them with the bread, but he's that real bread. That bread was just a picture of him because only Jesus satisfies. And they complain about that and they gripe and they murmur. And and today we'll begin to see in this section they depart because he tells them that Unless they eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, they can have no part of him. And and he's talking in spiritual terms, but they think he's talking in physical terms. They don't get it. That's what's been going on all through this section as Jesus has been talking about spiritual things. And everybody keeps thinking about physical things. The woman at the well thinks he's talking about uh, water so she won't have to come to the well and drink. Nicodemus thinks that he's talking about uh, being born again out of his mother's womb. And and these folks, they think he's literally saying to eat my flesh and drink my blood. But he's talking about taking himself into you. Receiving Christ. Believing in him. Trusting in him for who he really is. And taking him into your life and letting him be the dominating force in your life because Jesus is Lord. And so Let's look at verses uh, 60 today through 71 of John chapter 6. It says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said this is a hard saying. What did he say? He said, This is the bread which comes down from heaven, not as your fathers ate and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And then he also said, Eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And then it says, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. 
And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. So in this last section, we're going to see the final defection of the Galileans, and we're going to see a comparison between true disciples and false disciples. In verses 60 to 66, we're going to see false disciples. 67 to 69, we're going to see the true disciples. And then we're going to see in verse 70 and 71, the one that the ultimate example of a false disciple, Judas. So he says, therefore, many of his disciples, verse 60, when they heard this, said this is a hard saying, who can understand it? In other words, what they're really saying when he says eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, what they're really saying is this is a hard saying, who can handle this? In other words, this is offensive to me. We don't like what you're saying. Because like I said, they're thinking physical terms. He's speaking in spiritual terms saying, take me into your body. Receive me. I know a lot of people taking this eat my flesh and drink my blood and they they think that's the and they take that to be the communion service. That's not what they're talking about. Jesus is saying, receive me into your life. Make me the Lord of your life. Take me into your life and let me be your all in all because I am all you need. I am the bread that satisfies. I am the bread who completely fills and and satisfies your longest your your deepest longings your deepest needs and without me you're not complete but once you trust me and take me in then you'll be satisfied and he says so so these people just don't understand they're thinking god told us not to eat flesh and drink the blood and and they just don't get it they don't think about the spiritual side of it But all along, Jesus has been speaking about the spiritual. I mean, all along, He's been talking about the bread and that He was that bread. That He was the sign. uh, He was the, the one who was pictured in that sign, that bread that came down from heaven. And, and they just don't get it. And so it says in verse 61, when Jesus knew in Himself, I believe He had divine power to know everything. And then he says, apparently they weren't complaining in front of him, but it says when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Now remember that word disciple. The word the disciple does not mean that they were necessarily true followers of Jesus Christ. That word disciple, all it really means is learner. That's all it means is they were learners. They were followers. But it does not mean they were real followers. Because there are many people in the church today that go to church and they do not really truly believe in Jesus Christ. Billy Graham has estimated that only about 28% 
of the people who actually go to church are really truly saved and headed to heaven. And that's what Billy Graham said. These people are following. He's got thousands of people following him because they like the loaves, they like the fishes, they like the healings, they like the miracles, they like the signs. Remember, we've been talking all along about how people love the Jesus that heals them and fixes them. And, and, but as soon as he starts talking about life change, about taking up your cross, denying yourself, about humbling yourself, about giving up stuff, people walk off from Jesus and they say, that's not my Jesus, but it is the Jesus of the Bible. See, people have made up their own Jesus. And they have made up a Jesus is not the one that comes out of this Bible. Because the one in the Bible says that you got to change. That you got to be different. And if you come to Him, He changes your life. And I told you even in one of the places I went to that one of the other ladies that goes with me observed the other day, as soon as I started talking about life change that you need to change your life as a result of trusting Christ that several people walked out of the room. They didn't want to hear anymore. And that's what's going on here is Jesus is basically getting down to the brass tacks. He's getting serious about it. And he says, does this offend you? Uh, if you think that's, that's going to offend you, they've, they've heard him say that he was the bread from heaven. They've heard him say, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And now he's going to tell them in verse 62, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? I mean, he says, I've come down from heaven. And they say, well, he's just Joseph and Mary's son. He says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. They're going, what is wrong with this guy? And then he says, hey, I'm going to go back to heaven where I came from. And he says, that'll really offend you. Because what he's doing is he's just giving these people an opportunity and to see whether they're really going to trust him or if they're not going to trust him, he's just driving a deeper wedge and driving them further and further away. Because, see, today in the church, we seek to draw a crowd. We don't care who comes as far as who shows up. We do everything we can to get a big crowd at the churches out there. But the bottom line is, is Jesus wanted only those who were really real to trust him and to follow him and he didn't care about crowds. He cared about the quantity, the quality, not the quantity. And so that was the bottom line. In verse 64, 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. In other words, you can't work your way into heaven. You can't deserve it. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. That The flesh can't do anything. Remember what he said back there in uh, chapter... Six a little bit early in verse 28, they said, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. The only thing God asked us to do was to believe, to trust in Him, to follow Him. And wherever that may lead us, that belief is what's important. And so that's called faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.6, without faith it's impossible to please God. We need to believe that He is who He said He is, trust in Him and follow Him, no matter where that may lead us. And the Bible says that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer. 
Who knows where that road will lead? But the Bible says too that the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory which we'll have in heaven. So whatever we go for Jesus, go through for Jesus is not going to be anything compared to what's going to be so wonderful in heaven. That's the that's the real story. But people don't want to do that. It's like the old Midas commercial: you can pay me now or pay me later. You know, you either trust Christ and and follow Him and maybe give up some things and don't get everything that the whole world's chasing because you're chasing Jesus. But when you get to heaven, you get that which you didn't get here. And that's for eternity. This is just for a short amount of time. So he says basically that the Spirit gives life. It's, it's God's Spirit that gives life. It's the Holy Spirit. The flesh can't do anything. We can't do anything to get closer to heaven. And then he says, The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. That word spirit is the word pneuma. And maybe it means breath and life. But but Jesus is talking about His spirit. That, it, that, that the words that I speak are spirit because the Bible says that Jesus is the Word of God, right? He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word became flesh. And He dwelt among us and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, Jesus talks about Him being the Word in the book of Revelation. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is powerful. It is living, first of all, living, inactive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides to the soul and the spirit. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And so Jesus is saying here, the words that I speak to you are spirit. They are me. They are my life. They are the way you come to me. And unless you take my words in and receive me, then you're not going to be part of me. Let me read a verse over in Colossians 1, verse 27. Let me turn over there and see if I can get to Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. And this will explain it maybe a little bit more. It says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, when we trust Christ, Christ comes in us, right? The Spirit of Christ comes in us. And so basically His Word is Him. And He tells them over in John 8.31, that if you're really a true believer, you will what? Continue in His Word. Remember what we said back in chapter 4? That the woman at the well, it says, listen to a man who told me all things that I ever did. And then a little bit further on, it says in verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Him because of the Word of the woman who testified. She testified about Jesus. And then at the end it says, verse 42, Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard Him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. They have heard Him. They have believed. The guy in chapter 5, he, he went 
after Jesus told him his son was healed, he went. He believed the word. And he went. Took a whole day to get there to catch up with his servants. And his servants come and he, he believed and he was saved. And it's all about Jesus' word. This is the word of God. This is who Jesus is. He says he is the word. That this is him. Jeremiah 15 verse 16. Um, let me see if I can find that verse here. I had it written down here somewhere. He says that uh, basically that I, thy words were sweet in my thy words were found and I did eat them. They became the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. So basically that, that's what he's saying here. The Bible says that, that how can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone goes? How sweet are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. And so Jesus is really saying here, the words I speak to you are my life. And they are life. Eternal life. Because the only way you're going to be forgiven, the only way you're going to be saved is by taking these words in and believing what Jesus said. That He is who He said He was. And that's the only way we're going to do it. That That's all we can say about that. I know that's kind of confusing. That's a tough section of Scripture right there. But Jesus says, unless you take in and believe Me for who I am and who I said I am and what the Bible says I am, you won't have life. Is all He's saying. But what does He say next? Verse 64, But there are some of you who do not believe. See, some of them don't believe what? They don't believe His Word. For Jesus knew from the beginning. This is all the way back to the beginning of time. You can go all the way back to John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All the way back to the beginning of time, Jesus knew. Because Jesus is God. He knows everything. He knew from the beginning of His ministry. He knew before He ever came to earth who it was. He says he knew who did not believe and who would betray him. And he says, verse 65, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. He said that a bunch of times. This has to do with the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. Unless God says you can come to him, you can't come. But the Bible says, but whoever wants to come, let him come. And so, that's human responsibility. So I don't know how it all plays out together, but the Bible says unless God calls you, unless God draws you, you can't come. And the Jesus said, I will be lifted up and I will draw all men unto me. And then it says in verse 66, from that time, many of His disciples went back and walked with Him no more. They they never walked with him ever again. They went back and never. They turned away. They left for good and walked with him no more. And they just were gone. That was it. Now he's down to about 12 folks maybe at this point from, from hundreds and thousands. And now we're going to see the true believers, the true disciples. Then Jesus said to the 12, Do you also want to go away? And the way it really reads in the Greek is, you're not going to go away too, are you? Kind of sad and forlorn, but Jesus knew. But Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
Listen to what he says. You have the words of eternal life. There it is again. Words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter says, man, you got the words of eternal life. You've got to, got all we need. The, the, the Bible says that the Word of God is sufficient for everything, for doctrine, for, for what we believe, for, for reproof to telling us we're doing wrong, for correction to telling us we need to do right, and, and for instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. And he says, you got the words of eternal life. What else do we need? We've got it all. The Bible says in Christ... We have everything we need for life and godliness. Everything. We don't need anything else. And, and so he says, also we have come to believe. Over a period of time they came to believe and they know. They've come to believe and then they know that He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that He is who He said He is. That He is God in human flesh. They have come to know and they believe that He is who He said He is. That's what the Bible says true salvation is. Is believing Jesus is who He said He is. That's called faith. It says in John chapter 1, verse 12, but as, but as many as received Him, to them who He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name. To believe in His name means to believe Jesus is who He said He is. And then Jesus answered them says, But did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He goes back to that sovereignty of God again. And He says, Did I not choose you, the twelve? Peter speaks up for the whole group and says, Look, Jesus, we all believe. We all Trusting in you, we all believe you, the Son of God. And Jesus answers says, Yeah, Peter, you're confessing for you and you're doing a pretty good job, but there's one of you. And I even picked that person because God picked Judas knowing that he was going to betray him. Jesus picked him knowing that he was going to betray him. And he says that one of you is a devil. That word devil means adversary, accuser. And that's what he did was he, he was a sellout. He was an adversary. And, and what's the amazing thing is Jesus knew who he was and he gave him charge of the money. Gave him charge of the money. And he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him being one of the twelve. You know what? It's, it's amazing. This guy is the only guy out of the whole group that was not a Galilean. I don't know why exactly that is, but all the rest of them were Galileans. They were all picked by Jesus. But this is the, the Judas Iscariot. He came from Kerioth. And he was the one that betrayed Jesus. But, but he was the one who was a false disciple. He is the one who did not ever trust Jesus. He was with Jesus. Think about this. This man was with Jesus for three years. Every day, he saw all the miracles Jesus did. 
He saw all the wonders, all the signs. He heard all the things Jesus said. And yet, he sold him for 30 pieces of silver and had him crucified. And and that's one of the great mysteries is how people can sit in church week after week after week and never believe. It doesn't make any sense to me. The Jews, they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And Jesus basically didn't explain Himself to them. He made it harder for them to believe. And I think some people just don't want to come to church. Some people aren't interested. And God says, fine, that's what you want to do. Have at it. And they get to the place where they can never believe. But then the people who are interested... God does everything He can to draw us, to woo us. He's long-suffering. He's patient. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God wants two things out of us. He wants faith, and He wants faithfulness. Faith is believing who He is, and faithfulness is sticking beside Him no matter what happens? That's the characteristic of a true believer. We trust Him and we follow Him no matter what happens in life. Because see, life's tough. Life's hard. God said that through Jesus that in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He says, if you continue in my word, that shows that you're really real. Because those who are real follow Jesus no matter how tough it gets. That goes back to the parable of the souls and the seeds. And all of them basically have nothing to do with Jesus but one group. One group remains. I hope and pray today you've trusted Christ and you're not just following Him and you walk off when it gets tough and hard. But I know that if you're really real, you'll trust Jesus All the way to the end because he says that he who endures to the end shall be saved. And that's not because of anything we do, but because he keeps us. Because we're really his. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. And we just ask today that you would uh, help us, Lord, to understand this tough passage of Scripture to draw uh, folks unto you. Uh, if there's somebody who doesn't know you today, I pray that they would trust you. Lord, I pray that you would help those that didn't come today for whatever reason to come. Those that have not been interested, they would come and hear your word, believe, and be saved. And Father, we just thank you for all that you've done and you sent Jesus. You did everything that was necessary for us to get to heaven. And all you call upon is us to believe. And receive that truth. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.